Hello, and welcome to A View from the Perch, a podcast covering important financial topics from the perspective of a financial advisor and an experienced certified financial planner. Each week, we give a brief market update, discuss current economic events, analyze and debate highlighted stocks, and provide education on a financial subject. Now, here are your hosts, Bill Parrott and Spencer Engelkev. All right, Bill, new week, same question. How are the markets? Well, they're down. Um, Long-term bonds, well, they're up, but it's like 0.09. So green's a green. Green's a green. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. International stocks are down 0.2. Large companies are down 1.14. And small caps are taking it on the chin down 3.4%. Okay, so kind of what's going on to cause these downturns? Because Oh, I'm going to blame the federal government. Ah, surprise, uh, surprise. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, the talk about the, um, the debt limit mm-hmm. is spooking a lot of people. And uh, rates are rising a little bit because people are looking for safety and you know, the concern that the government's going to default. So uh, that's where I'm putting all the blame this week. Yeah, because it's it's intriguing. You brought up a good point when we were having a conversation yesterday about inflation finally being a good thing when it came to company earnings. So yeah. you mind kind of delving into that a little bit? Yeah, well, companies have been raising prices. And so earnings from Pepsi, Hershey's, uh, pretty much anybody that's selling anything that people mm-hmm. buy they're making a lot of money right now. Yeah. And as inflation comes down, they're not lowering those prices. So those prices are pretty much going to, that's the new normal. Yeah. So, you know, can of Pepsi, can of Coke, M&Ms, whatever. Uh, those prices have been going up because of inflation. So their costs go up. They raise prices, pass it on to consumer. Consumer buys it. Mm-hmm company makes more money. And that's why you want to own stocks as an inflation hedge because the earnings are going up because of the price increases at these companies and make a lot of money. Which is just a systemic issue because that's what I think is the most interesting part is there's no innovation when it comes to a can of Coke or a Chipotle burrito. Like maybe you add the Guajillo steak or whatever. Yeah. I do an ad for them. No. But it's just the systemic issue of inflation causing these companies to actually get a boost, which is, is, is weird. You know, last year, you know, a burrito at Chipotle was what, I don't know, eight or $9, $7. You know, this year it's probably 10 or 11, mm-hmm. but people are still going to go like people. Are like, oh, you know, an extra $2, that doesn't matter. Yeah. But an extra $2 times a couple million people purchasing this so weekly, it, it adds up. And so it's that flywheel where you just, you know, more people keep buying it. And, and people don't notice a rise of a nickel here, a dime there, a dollar here. But multiply that times, you know, millions or not billions of purchasers. You know, you go get a bag of M&Ms, whatever that it costs now. You know, no one thinks twice that it's gone up 15 cents. Nobody thinks twice that it stays up. <laughs> You're just like, okay, that's the new normal. It's the new normal. Yeah. And it's it's rare that prices come down. I, you know, 
is Pepsi going to come in and say, okay, inflation's dropping. Now we're going to lower our prices across the board. They may, but I doubt it. And then it brings up kind of the, the other issues that like competing products or substitutes for one another. That's what keeps prices low. But inflation, as they're both rising, yeah. you don't really have a substitute product. Like Pepsi dropped their price by a dollar. Coca-Cola would have to immediately drop their price by a dollar. But if they go up simultaneously... Where are you going to go? Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're going to pay for it. Well, you know, like if... if uh, what's the replacement for a Chipotle burrito? Taco Bell, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Um, free birds. Free birds. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't have free birds. That's true. Would That's be true. my guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean... And, and most likely you're hooked on that product, whatever it is, mm. right? So for me, it's Diet Coke. Absolutely, yeah. Am I going to go down to an RC Cola or uh, a Shasta? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> not <gonna happen. laughs> or a Fresca. A Fresca, oh man. Or what's the new Sierra Mist uh, star something? Oh, from Pepsi? Yeah, yeah. so they rebranded it. Um, We'll see if anybody buys that. <laughs> hey, a new label. Hey, there it is. Um, so kind of not crystal ball, but forward thinking. The debt ceiling gets resolved, which it always has, and it comes up probably every six months when they're doing the budget. That gets resolved. Inflation earnings seem to be pretty healthy with companies. The Fed pauses or 25 basis points. Are we yeah. going to see like a off and running or are we going to see kind of a lagger market? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because we've had a good run uh, really for the last six, seven, eight, nine months. Yeah. Um, the market's done pretty well, both here and overseas. Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if we took a little breather. Uh, you know, seasonally, May to, to August, May to September is kind of a ho-hum market. People yeah. take the mar- uh, the summer off and travel and do whatever. But uh, I my guess is a lot of it's already baked in, right? I mean, the people like the things that you mentioned, people already know of, yeah. they're aware of. Um, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if we just took a little bit of uh, a pause in the market, but not, not, there's really nothing too dramatic on the horizon. Uh, now, having said that, you know, if they don't raise the debt ceiling, if the war gets worse, China does something, then all bets are off. But, but right now, it, it's you know, kind of a known knowns. It's not gone wood. Cause that's yeah, like yeah, yeah. formula for a disaster. <laughs> a calm market up. I yeah. haven't seen one of those for a Well, if you look at the VIX, it's very low. So people are complacent. They're like, mm. okay, <clears throat> things are good. Don't need to make any changes. Yeah. Not worried about anything. Uh, let's keep rolling. Uh, but with markets, there's, there's always something. Oh, yeah. Around the corner that, like COVID. Like who, no one forecasted COVID, not, not one single person. Um, like I was talking to a client a couple of days ago and she said, all these things are bad right now. I said, well, uh, they were bad about six months ago and the market's already factored that in, yeah. you know, and, and the market's now looking ahead and things aren't as bad as they were, yeah. you know, last year. So the market's always forward looking and, and right now it doesn't see anything to be too concerned about. And price, prices, you know, people say, what what should I look at indicators? Uh, price is a pretty good indicator. You know, if prices are going up, people are pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Prices are going down, people aren't confident. 
That's good to know. Well, that's good news. Normally we don't have that. So yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. Perfect. Well, let's transition to kind of our empowering education. And Bill, what we want to know is, can I retire? Can I retire? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we really want to dive into is taking that leap from working to retirement. What are some checklists? What are some necessary things to make sure you have in your uh, in our arsenal in order to feel confident making that leap and making that kind of walk? Um, yeah. You know, can I retire? That's probably a question that we get more often than mm-hmm. not. And, you know, there's two sides to that. There's the financial side. Yep. Uh, the numbers are what they are. Either you have the money or you don't. Uh, but I think the bigger issue initially is the emotional side. Mm. Uh, are you ready to retire? Uh, what What will you do in retirement? Where will you live? Uh, things like that. Will you volunteer? Will you travel? Will you consult? Will you visit your family? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to spend your time? And, um, and, you know, if you've been working for, you know, pick a number 40 years, can you just hit the brakes and just not work anymore? I, I don't know. I think for most people, they probably need a transition, but on the emotional side, you need to be ready. Uh, on the financial side, there's a lot of metrics that we use, but if you just want a quick back of the envelope calculation is take your household expenses and uh, I say multiply in a range, multiply by 20 and 30. Okay. So, you know, if you have a hundred grand of expenses, you spend a hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, then you need anywhere from 2 million to 3 million to retire at any age or is this uh, thinking yeah at any age yeah you know if if you uh have your investments set up correctly mm-hmm. uh, you still need to own uh things that are growing because yeah. you need to you know we just talked about inflation yeah. uh so if you retire it's important not to retire your money mm-hmm. meaning a lot of people retire and say i just want to go into cds or treasuries or cash i don't want to lose any money but they're going to lose a third of their value over time to inflation if they just keep it in cash. So you need stock exposure. Uh, you need things that are going to grow. Uh, but obviously, if you retire now and I retire now, um, I probably need less money than you do just because yeah. I'm 100 years older than you are. But uh, <laughs> but that's, you know, Yes, in answer to your question, if you if you had enough money to cover your expenses, yeah. you could retire. Okay, um, so how do you kind of combat that expense equation versus kind of the four percent rule that we hear all the time? Is a four percent rule, if you mind, kind of giving next one? Should you take four percent of your assets, um, and that should not allow you to drain your principal over time? So, kind of how? What, yeah. What are the two kind of thoughts on that camp? So, uh, so that would be 25 times your expenses. Mm. So that's why I like using a range 20 or 30. And I found that most people don't know how to divide by 4%, oh, okay. but they know how to multiply by 25. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same thing. Uh, and the 4% rule is not a rule. I mean, everybody calls it a rule, but it's, it's just a guide basically that says that if you are withdrawing 4% of your money every year, yeah. Uh, you should not run out of money because stocks, you know, if you have a balanced portfolio, um, in my opinion, it's very hard to earn less than 5% over time. Mm. 
mm-hmm. you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. So the 4% rule says, hey, if I take out 4% of my account balance, I should never run out of money. So for example, let's say you retire with a million dollars today. Well, then you could take out $40,000 a year to live on and you should not run out of money. And as long as you're earning more than you're uh, spending, so if you're earning 5% and you're spending 4%, you'll, you'll never run out of money. Mm-hmm. But if you're taking out 4% and your account's earning 1%, you'll eventually run out of money. Yeah. So 4% is uh, a guide. Uh, they call it a rule, but it's it's the inverse of that is, is 25. So multiplying your expenses. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like to take your expenses times 20 or 30 to give you that range. And I use expenses because income is so variable. Mm. You have, um, you know, bonuses or commissions or uh, you get laid off or, or, or whatever, you know, the income is, is, is very variable, but your expenses are, are real. You know, those are hard dollars, you know, what you're spending and so on. And that's, that's another component. Spending is the, only thing that you can control in retirement. Yeah. Well, one of the only things. But <laughs> um, was, yeah. yeah. And so uh, if you are one that spends a lot of money, yeah. you need a lot of assets. No, that makes that makes total sense. And if you don't spend a lot of money, you don't need a lot of assets. And we have clients, like some clients we have to just almost beg them, hey, you you need to spend yeah. some money. Especially when it comes to R&B season. Yes, you, <laughs> you need to spend. It. And then we have some clients that uh, are addicted to spending. Mm-hmm. They, they they hey, we're going to take a trip. We're going to go buy this shiny object. And we have to tell them, hey, you, you need to mm-hmm. slow down a little yeah. bit. So spending is the key. Um, and what I found, too, is that most people um, – don't change their spending habits from working to retirement. That's a good point. And and the dollar amounts pretty much stay the same. People say, when I retire, I won't have a mortgage or I won't have to pay for my kid's education. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be replaced by travel or healthcare, or home repairs. So whatever you're spending now is probably what you're going to spend in retirement. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So let's say uh, a listener says, that's great. I love the napkin or I love the back of the envelope rule. That doesn't give me enough confidence. Yeah. <laughs> I want to just do yeah. one kind of simple equation. What are some other ways to kind of instill confidence for retirement? Well, uh, at, at, at the uh, you know kind of the crux of what we do is financial planning. Mm-hmm. And the financial plan goes into obviously a lot more detail than, than a napkin. Yeah. Uh, but we factor in Social Security. We factor in inflation. Uh, debt, your goals, what you want to do and say, okay, based on everything that you tell us, mm-hmm. everything that you have, historical returns, inflation, here's what you can do here. So I'm working on, we're working on one uh, right now and I updated the gentleman's data right before uh, this recording and, um, you know, gives us an analysis yeah. and so, okay, here you go. So the plan, the financial plan uh, goes into a lot more detail yeah. and and will give people a lot of confidence, yeah. I think. Yeah, because an, another point of the financial plan is it runs a thousand scenarios with everything that can happen, like the worst possible thing or the best possible outcome when it comes to the markets and things of that nature. And we take into account, like you said, Social Security, retirement income, whether that be a pension or an annuity, 
and really give you a lot more statistical data when it comes to how much you can spend exactly why and gives you kind of a more elongated answer than just uh, an expense wise. But yeah, so the financial plan I think is, is important. It's, I wouldn't say it's a tedious process, but it definitely takes a lot of documentation and going through that and sifting through that information and then sending you a 70 page report. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a lot, but I have noticed um, the clients that we've done financial plans for versus the ones that we haven't during times of turmoil, during times of market corrections, the plan gives a lot of peace and confidence to our retirees versus the ones that don't. So. Mm -hmm. I would, I would always encourage people to have a financial plan, even if you're 20, 30 years from retirement, giving yourself a plan or a goal or guidance is always going to be kind of beneficial in the long run. Yeah, it's a baseline. And you're right. You know, last year, clients were calling, uh, and rightfully so, because they were nervous about the market. Mm-hmm. But we would go into the plan and say, you're fine. You're still on track. Uh, we recommend staying the course. And, you know, now... You know, well, over the last six, seven months, the market's rebounded and most of them recovered. And uh, we had a few panic, but uh, that's OK. But, yeah, the plan is is really the best way to say, hey, can I retire? Yeah. So just thinking process wise, mm-hmm. do you kind of have like a mental checklist? Because you've been doing this for a lot of uh, retirees or pre-retirees kind of like. One, two, three, four, confidence, boom, shake your hand, retire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, first off, again, uh, you need to do an emotional checklist. Mm. And are you ready? What are you going to do? We already talked about that. Uh, then you take uh, need to take an inventory of what you own. Okay. Where is it? What's it doing? How is it invested? Um, uh, are there any fees or restrictions? So, you know, go down the inventory list. Do you Do you have... An investment account? Do you have an IRA? Do you have a 401k? Do you have a pension? Uh, do you have annuities? Uh, you should have social security. And write it down. You know, what is it doing? What is it worth? And um, and so then taking an inventory of your assets and then do the same thing on the liability side. Mm-hmm. What, what do you owe? O-W-E. Do you have a mortgage? Do you have car payments, um, student loans? Hopefully not if you're retired. But uh, uh, you want to try to get rid of the things that you owe going into retirement. And then uh, from there, uh, a budget, your expenses. What what are you spending money on? Where's it going? Uh, And those three components, your assets, your liabilities, and your expenses – will help tremendously, obviously. And then one thing that I encourage people to do is have about three years worth of expenses in cash somewhere. So so let's say you're spending $100,000 a year um, and you're getting ready to retire. Then I recommend having at least $300,000 in cash somewhere. Now, is it cash in a savings uh, you know, a safe at your home. Uh, it could be, uh, probably not though. Uh, but a savings account, uh, U.S. Treasuries, yeah. CDs, uh, things that are safe. Uh, and the reason for that is, let's say you retired in January of 2020. Ooh. 
2019 was a great year. January 2020, the market's rocking, and then COVID hits. World shuts down. So that three years of cash gets you through a normal stock market correction mm-hmm. cycle. Uh, if you retired in 2007, you know we had the recession, yeah. 2008, 2009. By 2010, the market recovered. So that three years of, of cash and expenses uh, gets you through potentially a, a horrible time in the market. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Yeah. But it, it allows your, your stock investments and your bond investments time to recover. Mm-hmm. So you're not selling at the low. You're not liquidating your growth investments uh, at the wrong time. So three years of expenses is recommended. So if you had that, you did the inventory of your assets and liabilities and expenses. And emotionally, you said, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? Then that, that should give you more than enough data to, to figure it out. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a really good checklist. And that three months of expenses, I think- Three is, years. Three years, yeah, yeah. Three to six months for an emergency savings, which mm-hmm. is yeah. taken off. That's, that's I think, paramount, um, especially because as soon as you retire, you don't want to be liquidating if you so say like March have You retired March of 2020, like the largest downturn in the market. Yeah, that, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, you lose a third of your assets and you're like, what the heck? And like, uh, yeah, spend all this time saving <laughs> and growing and then forget to be as soon as I withdraw. Yeah, this sounds like you're, a you're calling your employer back and say, uh, just kidding. <laughs> just I need to keep getting back to work. <laughs> okay, so kind of uh, what's, if you had to just kind of get like a, not a therapy session, but a little, yeah, little um, just support session. What is some of the biggest what are some of the biggest fears that retirees or approaching retirement have? Well, the big one's running out of money. Mm. No one wants to run out of money, uh, certainly when they're old, yeah. right? That's not the best time to do it. Uh, when you're young, you could recover and so on. But uh, uh, running out of money is is really, uh, you know, can I retire? Will I run out of money? Yeah. That Those questions usually come hand in hand. And again, after doing the inventory, doing the plan, you know, we can give you a pretty good answer. Um, but again, it goes back to your spending. You know, if if you think you're going to run out of money, just spend less money. You yeah. Know? Do you need a Lamborghini? I I don't know. Uh, yeah, of course. Yes, maybe you do. <laughs> uh, uh, going to H E B to get your groceries and put in a Lamborghini, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think running out of money is a big, big concern for a lot of people mm-hmm. because they're not working anymore. Yeah. And and for most people, 40 years, they've been saving money, yeah. right? And and now they're going to start spending it. And and another question is like, well, how do I get, how do I see my money, but how do I get it? Uh, so we, every month send out, I don't even know how much money to retirees, but it goes right into the bank account. We send a, a fixed amount more often than not. It goes from their retirement account or their investment account or their annuity right into their their checking account. And so uh, once they see the mechanics of it for a few months, they they calm down quite a bit. It's that initial probably month or two where anxiety anxiety is super high because they don't know how how it works mechanically. But once they start to see it, it, uh, they calm down quite a bit. Yeah, but running out of money and... And, you know, longevity, how how long are they going to live? Mm. But, but the, those go hand in hand. Okay. I think that's going to be encouraging for some people that are struggling with the same thing. So kind of what else do you think people near retirement should know? 
Uh, well, it's okay to spend money mm. and, and it's okay to spend your principal. So many people say, I don't want to touch my principal. You know, I don't, I just want to live off the yeah. interest. I want to live off the gains. Well, you could die with, you know, if you have a million dollars retiring today and you just live off the interest, you're, you're probably going to die with two or three or $4 million in the yeah. bank account. What's the point of that? Uh, so it's okay to spend your principal mm. and, and and we would encourage it. You know, you don't want to live like a pauper in retirement. You want to enjoy life. Uh, you want to help others. You want to, uh, you know, be a resource to your family. Uh, so it's okay to touch the principal. Yeah. And so many people are averse to that, but it's like, it, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and as my daughter would say, it's okay, dude. <laughs> so uh, you can be fine. Um, but that that's one. Um, and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many, and we, as you know, we have some clients that just love retirement. Uh, they're traveling a lot. They're happy. We have some that are just miserable, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like, it, it's okay. You can spend it. And they, they're, they're worried about the market fluctuations yeah. and the market's going to fluctuate for the next thousand years. Yeah. So I would encourage you to just to en- en- enjoy your retirement, mm-hmm. uh, enjoy the fruits of your labor, um, spend time with your family, travel, volunteer, give money away, and, and not worry about the day-to-day movement in the market. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's that's good. I think that's gives a good little checklist and guidance, especially to people that are thinking about retirement. Um, so appreciate that. We're going to transition to our intriguing issue segment. And mine, I don't know why I'm so intrigued by things reverting to the means, especially when it comes to cable. But cable, I it's just it seems like everything streaming wise is now just reverting back like this giant pendulum. Everybody wants to be free from the cable companies. Everybody's going back because the biggest thing about streaming is you're able to pick the shows you want to watch exactly instead of channel scrolling like we all used to do. Yep. However, there's a new app that is gaining so much traction, which about 20 million users in the United States and growing at an extremely rapid rate called Likewise where it sends you a kind of report of what you should watch that week based on your interests. Really? Yeah. And so it's this idea of like trying to, and this is what it said, we're trying to remove the endless scrolling when it comes to a streaming service. I love scrolling. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this scrolling through TV channels are different than, than the streaming channel because TV, you have a limited amount like obviously there's a thousand channels, but you really look at it. I can go from one to a thousand. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to be scrolling through uh, the Hallmark channels, but it's like you have your TNT, your ABC. Don't, don't diss the Hallmark channel. Oh, I can. That's true. Our listeners probably. Yeah. Sorry about that. Hallmark is good stuff. My wife and my in-laws love it. But it's that idea. It's kind of a limited amount. But when it comes to Netflix, when it comes to these streaming services, I know... I'm guilty of it, and my wife is as well, is we'll sit down to watch a show and 45 minutes have passed and we're still scrolling through Netflix. And so (laughs) this app was created to eliminate or kind of condense the amount you you can scroll and choose from, which is the exact same thing that cable did to us when we had one through 99 channels. And so it's this idea that streaming was supposed to eliminate a lot of the things that the cable industry did, but it seems as if people... So it, it sounds like it's AI-driven. Is it AI-driven? It is AI-driven as well. And so it's just this... I don't I don't see a world in which cable is not... Or some cable-like product is not in the ten, next 10 So years. this app sends you 
whatever, the 20 to 25 and says, this is what you should watch tonight. Yes. So you don't have to think about it. No, exactly. Yeah. What if you don't like what they recommend? Well, then you can just mindlessly <laughs> scroll again because that's kind of like the autonomy and the freedom was really what the streaming services offered. Yeah. And you can take it back to either Spotify or Apple Music, like, right, I want to pick my music. Yeah. But the majority of people that had a study are doing the Spotify radios, which populate yeah. a random generated song list based on your kind of preferences, which is the, the radios. <laughs> it's just... Well, it's just like, like if you search for something on Amazon, then now that follows you wherever yes. you go. And, and then like, uh, like the music channels, Oh, based on your listening, we think you would like this mm-hmm. based Netflix, based on your viewing, you would like this. So, yeah. So I guess it has, obviously the technology is going to continue to increase and the customization and the preferences is what you're going to start doing. But I just keep finding this every single week. It seems as if we're reverting, especially entertainment wise back to our roots when it comes to a lower amount of exposure and then somebody picking it for us. Um, well, it's going to be to the point where you walk in your home and Spotify automatically comes on. Here's your favorite song for today. <laughs> the, the TV turns on and says, Spencer, your show's starting in 30 minutes after you eat your dinner, yep. your Chipotle burrito. Um, here's the show that we think you would like the most tonight. Yep. And uh, you don't have to think anymore. And that's that's what we're reverting <laughs> to. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of my intriguing issue. We'll see what happens. I just, I'm always just I can see it. so interested in this idea that I think everything we do as a human race is just a pendulum swing. We just go back and forth. Well, back. who's who said of Mark Twain? It says history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. That's yeah. That's a good yeah. Mark so, um, well, I read a quote. It was pretty cool. It said, uh, "To learn about new things, read about old things. Mm. Read old books because." Those things are, are happening today. Yeah. And uh, so history teachers, your job is secured. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. And for all those who said, why do I need history? Uh, this is why. Yeah. So yeah. you don't. Well, so you could uh, know what's coming. Exactly. All right. So let's see. What's your intriguing issue? Well, we're about to uh, jump into summer travel, summer mm-hmm. vacation. And, and you know, we hear is a recession coming. Mm-hmm. Is a recession coming. But if you look at... Flights, hotels, and their prices are through the roof. Oh, yeah. Flights are booked. Travel's booked. Destinations are like people going um, to all over the place for the summer, you know, according to all these travel sites. So judging by what people are doing, I doubt a recession's coming Mm -hmm. anytime soon. Because, uh, again, going back to inflation, yeah. you know, if you've tried to book a flight, you know how expensive it is. Um, you know, we were just talking about, you know, how much it is to go to Kansas City yeah. uh, flying. Uh, but some of the top spots, uh, according to uh, money, are uh, Portugal, Greece, uh, Dublin, Ireland, Alexander, Virginia, and Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, really? Kansas City isn't on there? It's not. It's, it's, it's somewhere on <laughs> those. Yeah. But uh, can you compare Greece to Atlanta? I don't know. Uh, that's actually a really good point. Those, yeah. That list is far and in between. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to Portugal, Lisbon, compared to Lena. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think, um, you know, my takeaway from that is it, 
it's it's um an anti-recession indicator yeah. uh where it tells me that people are still spending money mm-hmm. on, on experiences like hey we're we're going somewhere and we're taking the family yeah. we're getting on a plane we're staying at nice resorts uh, so I think the summer is going to be um, pretty jammed up for a lot of people in a good way. Yeah, that was a VIX indicator. It's it's hard to argue that people aren't confident and excited about kind of the future. So, yeah, yeah it's kind of anti-recessionary, which is the first time I think we said that on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We're anti-recession. That's right. Um, well, perfect. Anything you want <clears throat> to leave our listeners with besides make sure you go to Atlanta instead of Greece? Yeah. <laughs> Hot Atlanta. Uh, you know, I would say if 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 you're not sure you're ready to retire, take a trial. Mm. You know, take a few months off. Yeah, that's a point. You know, see what it's like. Can you can you eat dinner at three? Can you uh, do nothing at ten o'clock in the morning? Mm-hmm. Uh, see what it's like. Yeah, and, and give it a shot. Yeah, see how much you really like golf. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. After playing golf ten days in a row <laughs> or fishing ten days in a row, you're like, okay, perfect. Well, always thanks for your expertise, Bill. Um, we appreciate it. All right, bye. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website parrotwealth.com where you can learn more about everything we have to offer at Parrot Wealth Management. That's our view from the perch. See y'all next week.